Today's year is Perik Hamisha Asar, Mehilchas Machalos Asuros, the 15th chapter of the laws concerning forbidden foods. Halacha Aleph, paragraph 1. Davar Asur Shinis Arev Bedavar Mutar, Min Bishaino Mino, Binosintam. If a forbidden substance becomes mixed with a permitted substance, if it is of a different kind, then the mixture is forbidden as long as the prohibited substance imparts a flavor of its own to the entire mixture. In other words, if we could sense the taste of the forbidden article, then the entire mixture is forbidden. Otherwise, it is permitted. Now, if it is the same kind of food, with the same taste, so that its flavor cannot be detected, because they both have the same taste, it becomes neutralized by the greater quantity. The majority prevails. Though the Rambam says that it is permitted, that's only biblically. We will soon discuss what the rabbinical status of it is. Halacha Beis, paragraph 2, Ketzad, how so? Chelev hakloyo shenafel utoch hagrisin v'nimoach hakol v'amasho hareilu asurim min ha if some kidney fat, forbidden fat, falls into a dish of pounded beans and is completely dissolved, the bean should be tasted. If the flavor of the fat cannot be detected, both ingredients are deemed permitted. However, if the flavor of the fat is present, as well as its substance, the substance also got mixed up, both are deemed prohibited, and that is based on biblical law. However, the Rambam continues, if the flavor of the fat is there, but the substance was not there, both are deemed forbidden only based on rabbinical law. Halacha Gimbal, paragraph 3. The Ramam continues to explain, what do we mean by substance? The substance is there, or not there. That there was an olive's worth of fat, the forbidden fat, to each three eggs worth of the mixture. Now, the person eats three eggs worth of the mixture, then he would be liable to flogging, since the amount eaten contained an olive's worth of fat. Here we have both the taste and the substances there. However, the Rambam continues, If, however, he eats less than three eggs worth of this mixture, he is liable only to the flogging prescribed by the rabbis for disobedience. Similarly, if in this mixture there was not present one olive's worth in all of three eggs, that is, three eggs worth of the mixture, within that amount you couldn't find one olive's worth of forbidden fat, even though the entire mixture possesses the taste, the flavor of the forbidden fat, and the person ate up the entire dish, the person would not be subjected to flogging, except to the rabbinical type of flogging given for disobedience. Halacha Dal, paragraph 4. Now, if kidney fat 
falls into tail fat, which is permissible, and the whole mixture is dissolved, everything is dissolved, then if the quantity of the tail fat is twice as large as that of the kidney fat, the entire mixture is permitted based on biblical law. As the Rambam said earlier, when the two are of the same kind, the Torah says that it's nullified in the majority. And the same would apply even to a piece of nevela, an actual piece of non-kosher meat that was killed or died without the benefit of shechita, that got mixed up into pieces of slurred meat. And nothing is dissolved. It's just we don't know which is which, because all the meat looks the same. Biblically, everything would be permissible. However, rabbinically, this is a different story. Rabbinically, it would be prohibited unless the thing has lost its identity because of its extremely small quantity so that it cannot be considered a thing of value whose substance remains in existence, as we shall explain subsequently in the next chapter. Halacha hey, paragraph 5. How much does the mixture have to contain so that the forbidden thing is considered to be totally lost because of its insignificance, because of its small quantity? And the Rambam answers, It depends on the standard given by the sages. There are certain things where the standard is 60 times. The volume has to be 60 to 1. Certain things, the volume has to be 100 to 1. And certain things, the volume is 200 to 1, which the Ramah will explain. Halachavah, paragraph 6. From all this we learn that for all things forbidden, biblically forbidden, whether they are prohibitions that are subject to flogging, whether they are prohibitions that are subject to excision, the penalty of curries, whether they are forbidden not only for consumption, but also forbidden from deriving benefit. And any of these forbidden foods that gets mixed up with a permissible food, the rule is as follows. If it's, it's one kind gets mixed up in a different kind, then it goes by the taste, whether it, it imparts a flavor to the entire mixture. If it's the same kind that gets mixed up, then where there's no way of determining the fact whether the, it has imparted a flavor because the flavor of both articles are the same, then we go by 60 or by 100 or by 200, depending on the situation, as will be explained later. The Raman then says there are exceptions. One exception is the forbidden libation wine because of the stringency of idolatry. Another exception would be tevel, untithed produce, because it is possible to correct the problem with tevel, all you have to do is separate the, the truma, tithe the tevel, and then it becomes permissible. Therefore, the rabbi said that if it's the same kind, the slightest amount of forbidden wine or tevel, untithe produce, would prohibit the whole mixture. And if it's a different kind that it falls into, then it, like all other prohibitions, it's determined by the taste, whether it imparts a taste or not. In other words, the prohibition and the stringency applied to the forbidden wine only applies to the same kinds of 
food, they get mixed up, wine into wine. And likewise, with untithed produce, the stringency is only when they are of the same kind. Then, the slightest amount would prohibit everything. But if it's a different kind, then we go by the flavor, whether the flavor is there or not, like other prohibitions. Halacha Zayin, paragraph 7. Ketzad, how so? Even one drop of forbidden libation wine, upon which has fallen several barrels of wine, of kosher wine, the entire mixture is forbidden, as will be explained. Similarly, if one cup of untithed wine gets mixed up in a barrel of tithe wine, the entire mixture is considered untithed until one separates the heave offering, the truma, and the other tithes that we give to the levy, and the tenth of that we give to the kohen, that are deemed appropriate for this mixture, in other words, according to the amount of untithed produce that is left into this mixture, as will be explained in its proper place, in the laws concerning tithing and so on. Halacha has paragraph 8. The fruits of the sabbatical year, even though that if they get mixed up in their own kind, then the amount that prohibits the whole thing is the slightest amount, any amount. If it's a different kind, then we go by the flavor, if it was imparted or not. But nevertheless, we cannot include this in the category of biblical prohibitions, because the mixture is not forbidden to eat. On the contrary, one is obligated, the Rambam says, one is obligated to eat the entire mixture, but eating it with the sanctity of Shavias, with all the laws pertaining to the way one has to consume the holy produce of the sabbatical year. Again, as it will be explained in its proper place, in the laws concerning the sabbatical year. Halachatas, paragraph 9. Leavened bread, leavening, which is forbidden on Passover, even though it's one of the biblical prohibitions, we could not consider to be part of this category because it's different due to the fact that the mixture is not going to be forever forbidden, because right after Passover, the mixture will be permissible, as we explained in an earlier section. Therefore, during Passover, any amount of chametz, of leavening, that falls into any mixture, the slightest amount will prohibit the whole mixture. And it makes no difference, the Rambam says, whether it's mino, the same kind, both types of, both are grain, one is chametz and one is matzah, or whether it's another type of mixture, Different, two different types of things, chametz falling into, let's say, a pot of meat. In either case, the slightest amount will prohibit the entire mixture because it will be permissible after Passover anyhow. Halacha paragraph 10. The same thing, same rule that applies to chametz during Passover would apply to the new produce that gets mixed up with the old produce that before the Omer has been offered, and in this case, the mixture would be forbidden with even the slightest amount of the forbidden grain, because it will become permissible after the Omer is offered. 
because after the Omer is offered, everything will be permissible. Therefore, right now, we don't take advantage of the leniencies that normally would apply to other prohibitions. And the Ramam gives us the rule now. Likewise, any substance that will become permissible after a certain amount of time, even if it's only a rabbinical prohibition, for example, the prohibition of muktza and nolad, these are two types of objects that one may not handle on the Sabbath or on the holidays. And if any of those things gets mixed up, the sages did not give any amount, no standard, but even the slightest amount, even one per thousand or several thousand, does not become nullified, does not become neutralized, because there is a way that we can permit the whole thing by waiting until it becomes permissible. An example of this would be consecrated objects and the second tithe and the like. These are things that you could redeem. Consecrated things that are handed over to the temple can be redeemed. And the second tithe can be brought to Jerusalem or they can be exchanged for something else. In which case, you would not have to depend on the nullification process. We could wait for the person to either redeem it or to take it to Jerusalem. Halach of paragraph 11. However, Arlo, the first three years that a tree produces fruit, when it's forbidden to consume that fruit, it has to be burnt. Klai HaKerem is the mixture of seeds in the vineyard, which again has the prohibition, not only of consumption, but also of deriving any benefit. The forbidden fat and blood of an animal, and anything similar to that, and likewise, the truma, the heave offering, the sages did apply a certain standard to any of these mixtures because they could not become permissible in any way for all people. Rambam obviously means that even though the truma is permitted to the Kohen, it's only permitted to him. And for anyone else, it's forbidden forever. Halacha Yudbeis, paragraph 12. Yeroya li, sha'afilu davash yesh lamatirin, im nisara b'she'eno mino, v'lonosantam muter. The Ramam says this is his own opinion, that it appears to him that even if something which has the capability of being rendered permissible becomes mixed with another species, another kind, and does not impart a flavor, it should be permitted. In other words, even though we said before that if something that could be permitted in another way, gets mixed up with something for permitted, the entire mixture is forbidden. Yet, if it does not impart a flavor, the Rambam's view is it should be permitted. And the reasoning is as follows. For that which has the capability of becoming permissible after a while should not be subject to a more stringent rule than Tevel, the untithed produce, which is likewise capable of being corrected. Yet, we discussed earlier, that when mixed with another kind, it is forbidden only if it imparts a flavor. Otherwise, it would not be forbidden. Why should this be more stringent? The al-titama al-chamads Don't be so puzzled by my, what I say because of the prohibition of leavening on Passover. There it's different. Even though there we said that even if it doesn't impart a flavor, it's forbidden. There's a different reason for it, the Rambam explained. Shahat Torah, Umbra. Kol machmetes lo 
The Torah is very strong when it says you shall eat nothing that is leavened. And that is why that's why the sages, in turn, were also more stringent and have imposed greater restrictions upon it, as we have explained. So chametz and Passover, leavening and Passover, is an exception even to this rule that things that become permitted after a while would not forbid the mixture if there is no taste imparted. Chametz is an exception. Halach Yud Gimel, paragraph 13. These are the standards, the quantities that the sages have specified for the neutralizing of prohibitions. Hatruma utrumas meiser v'hachala v'habikurin olin be'echadu meya. The truma, that is the heave offering, that is tithed from the produce and given to the Kohen. Then we have the heave offering of the tithe. Of the tenth that we give to the levy, one-tenth has to be given to the Kohen. Then there's the challah, which is the dough offering. Then there's the first fruits that we bring to the temple. All of these are in one category, and they are neutralized if it's one part in 101. V'tzarech laharim, And also, the only time it would be permissible is only after the priest's share, the Kohen's share, must be taken out of the mixture. And the Rambam says, And all of these different things that we just mentioned, Truma, Trumas Masa, Chala, and Bikurim, can combine together with one another to require 101 times as much. Likewise, a piece of showbread that was used in the temple, mixed with pieces of regular bread, is neutralized one part in 101. Kate If one saw, that's a measurement, the flour, of one of these things, or one saw of all of them mixed, falls into a hundred saw of regular flour, ordinary flour, and the whole becomes intermingled, mixed up. A person should first take out from the total one saw for the Kohen, for the priest. That is corresponding to the saw which fell in, so that the priest does not lose his share. And the remainder is permitted to everyone. If, however, it falls into less than one hundred saw, the whole mixture becomes what is called meduma, a mixture of holy and regular and ordinary produce, in which case you have to give it entirely to the Kohen. Paragraph 14. The first three fruit years that a tree bears fruit, the mixture of seeds in the vineyard, they become neutralized with 201, and they, all, they both combine with one another. And we don't have to remove any amount, token amount, corresponding to the amount that fell in. And the Ramam explains, Kate said, how so? If the fourth of a lug of wine, either of Arla or of the vineyard of mixed seeds, or a fourth that consists of both of them together, and if that mixture falls into two hundred fourths of a lug of permitted wine, the entire mixture is permitted. And here it is unnecessary to remove any amount, as is the case with truma that we read about in the preceding paragraph. However, if it falls into less than 200, the whole amount is forbidden, 
and we cannot derive any benefit from the entire amount. Paragraph 15. The Rambam himself asked the question, why is there this difference? Why is it that with regard to Truma, the heave offering, one does have to remove some of it, the priest, the Kohen share, while one does not have to remove the Arla, the first three years of the tree bearing fruit, and the mixture of seeds in the vineyard. And the reason is, the Rambam explains, because Truma belongs to the Kohenim. It's their property. Therefore, any Truma that the Kohenim don't really care about, such as the heave offering, the Truma of Kalisin, Caribs, and the Edomite barley, we need not take anything out of it because the Kohenim don't care. This is not a, a prohibition that requires of us to take out some of it. It's because of a financial claim that the Kohenim could have to it. Paragraph 16. Question is, why did the rabbis double the proportion in the case of Arla and the produce of a vineyard of mixed seeds? And the answer is because these are forbidden for even benefit. Therefore, the Torah, since it's more stringent, the rabbis were also more stringent. The Rambam then asks another question. The question the Rambam asks here is, why do they rely upon the proportion of 1 to 100 in the case of Truma? The answer is because the Truma, the heave offering that we take from the tithe, from the tenth that we give to the Levite, is one part out of 100, because one-tenth of our total amount of produce we give to the Levi, and one-tenth of that to the Kohen. So the entire proportion is one-hundredth. And its presence in the mixture renders the whole holy, as it is said in the book of Numbers, even the hallowed part thereof out of it. In other words, if a person has produce from which he had not yet separated the tenth of the tenth, the whole thing is forbidden. Which, according to the sages, means if that which has to be taken out of it returns to it, it renders it hallowed. That just as the truma itself renders the whole thing hallowed, the same thing if it falls into another mixture, it does the same thing. Paragraph 17. Other Torah prohibitions, other biblical prohibitions, and all of them, for example, the flesh of insects and creeping things, fat, blood, and the like, here the proportion to nullify and neutralize it is 1 to 60. How so? If one olive's worth of the kidney fat, which is forbidden, falls into 60 olive's worth of the tail fat, which is permit, permitted, everything is permitted. If it falls in less than 60 times as much, the entire mixture is forbidden. Likewise, if a bali's worth of forbidden fat falls into a mixture of kosher fat, there has to be 60 bali's worth in order to neutralize the whole thing. The same thing would apply to other prohibitions. If some fat of the sinew, of the thigh vein, which is forbidden, falls into a pot of meat, its proportion is, is reckoned on the basis of 1 to 60. But the fat itself is not included in the proportion. 
And the Rambam adds, V'yafo pishu shumen gid hanasha medivreim k'mosha b'yarnu, ho v'gid hanasha b'yirye b'fneatsum ha'chimira bo k'yisuri Torah. Now, the Rambam says, even though the fat of the sinew of the thigh vein is forbidden only rabbinically, as we have explained, but nevertheless, since the sinew of the thigh vein is considered an individual entity, the sages have ruled stringently regarding it just as if it had been forbidden by the Torah. And the Rambam says further, We do not include the sinew itself in the proportion, nor does it render anything forbidden, since sinews did not impart a flavor. Halacha Yudches, paragraph 18. Avol k'chal shenizbao shalom abasar b'shishim. U'k'chal min ha-minyan. Hol v'hakal medivreim k'moshim b'yarnu. Hekilu b'shi'uro. However, on the other hand, if an udder of the animal is cooked with meat, the proportion is 1 to 60, and here we include the udder. And the reason is, since the udder is only forbidden rabbinically, as we have explained in an earlier section, the sages have ruled leniently with respect to its proportion, that we do count the udder in the number, in the ratio of 1 to 60. Halacha Yutes, paragraph 19. If a chicken is found in an egg, a little chick is found in an egg which, ha- which was boiled with kosher eggs, if there are 61 eggs apart from this one, the 61 are considered to be permitted. They are kosher. Should there be only 60 apart from this one? All the eggs are forbidden. And the reason for this is that since this egg that has the chick in it is a separate and independent entity, the sages have made a distinction with regard to it by making it more stringent and adding to its proportion by saying you need 61 instead of 60. Paragraph 20. However, if the egg of an unkosher bird is boiled together with the eggs of a kosher bird, it does not render them forbidden. If they are beaten up together, or if the contents of an egg of an unkosher bird, or of a trefa bird, a bird that was rendered to be trefa because it had a fatal disease, if any of these are mixed with the contents of other eggs, the proportion is 1 to 60. Halacha Chafala, paragraph 21. What did our sages rely on to determine that the number is 60? What was their support? And the answer is, The Ramam answers that it's based on what we find in the Torah, that the portion which is taken from the ram that a Nazir, a Nazir, brings as his sacrifice, and that is the shoulder, that's the part of it that is taken from the ram, and that constitutes one-sixtieth of the rest of the ram. Now, the whole of the ram is cooked with his shoulder. It does not render the whole ram for, forbidden, as it is stated in the book of Numbers. And the Kohen shall take the shoulder of the ram when it is cooked. So we see that when there's a ratio of one to sixty, it does not render the whole thing unkosher. Halakha base, paragraph 22. Min bemino vidav achesh nisarvu kigon kedeir shahayibach chelav alya ugrisin v'nafulatoch chelav hakloyos v'nimcha hakol v'nasa guf echad. 
Rowan is chelu for all yav as a grisin ki ilu heim guf echad, umishar in chelu hakloyus by grisin uba al yav. If let's say one species, one kind of food becomes mixed with another kind, and it's the same kind, and then also with a third and different ingredient. For example, if kidney fat, the forbidden fat, falls into a dish which consists of tail fat, the kosher one, and pounded beans, and the whole becomes intermingled, forming one mass. Now the tail fat and the pounded beans are regarded as constituting a single substance, and the amount of kidney fat is measured against the combined pounded beans and tail fat. Now if the proportion is 1 to 60, the mixture is permitted, and the reason for it is that in this case it is impossible to detect the flavor of the kidney fat, since we also have this other fat. And the taste of kosher and unkosher fat are exactly the same. But the same rule applies to the truma, the heave offerings, which become mixed, for which the proportion is 1 to 100. And the same is also true of the produce of a vineyard in which seeds were mixed, or arlo, the first three years that a tree bears fruit, for which the proportion is 1 to 200. In the case of all forbidden things, the proportion, whether it is 1 to 60 or 1 to 100 or 1 to 200, how do we measure it? So the Rambam explains we measure it against everything contained in the pot, which includes the gravy, the spices, and even the quantity of the forbidden food that is absorbed by the pot itself after the forbidden article had fallen into it. Now this is very hard to determine. So this can only be approximated since we can't determine this precise amount accurately. Halacha Chavhei, paragraph 25. It is forbidden at the outset to nullify, to neutralize biblical prohibitions. You can't just add kosher substance to a forbidden mixture to make it kosher. And if one had done so, it is nevertheless permissible. However, the rabbis imposed a fine on this person who does so, and they prohibited the whole mixture. The Rambam expresses his own view. It appears to me, he says, that since this is only a fine imposed by the rabbis, we do not prohibit this mixture on any other person except the one who violated and neutralized and nullified this prohibition. Other people... For others, however, it is permissible. Halacha Chavav, paragraph 26. How so? For example, if a measurement called a saw of Arla, the forbidden fruit, because it's the first three years that a tree bears its fruit, and it falls into a hundred saw, hundred times the amount, and everything becomes prohibited because Arla needs two hundred to one, one should not bring another hundred saw and combine it with a hundred pre-existing saw that is there, in order that it should be two hundred and should be neutralized by a ratio of one to two hundred. You should not do that. But if one violated and did so, it is all permissible. That is, for others, not for the person who did it because of the fine. However, with rabbinical restrictions, rabbinical prohibitions, you could nullify and neutralize 
prohibition at the very outset. Halacha Chavzayin, paragraph 27, the Ramam now explains how. Ketzad, how so? Cholub shenafu l'kdeira sheyesh ba besar ov, v'nos antam b'kdeira mar ba'olav besar ov, acher ad sheyevatel hatam, v'chein kol keyotza bezer. For example, if a little bit of milk falls into a pot that has fowl, poultry in it, and it imparts a taste into the poultry, all one has to do is to increase the amount of poultry until it nullifies and neutralizes the taste. Because the law of milk and meat does not apply to fowl and poultry. Therefore, it's only rabbinical that this prohibition applies to it, and therefore one can, at the very outset, neutralize and nullify the prohibition. The same thing would be true, anything similar to this, any other rabbinical prohibition. Halacha Chavches, paragraph 28. We already explained that if the forbidden substance imparts a taste, a flavor, into the permissible substance, everything is forbidden. However, the Rambam is going to qualify this by saying, When does the foregoing apply? When it makes the taste better. However, if the forbidden substance impairs the flavor of the permitted article and spoils its taste, then that food is permissible. However, when does this heter, this license to permit it, apply? That is, if the addition impairs and ruins the permitted substance from beginning to end. If it spoils it only at first, but in the end it improves it, or if it improves it at first and only subsequently spoils it, then the food is forbidden. Halacha text, paragraph 29. Now, who is going to taste the mixture to know whether it improves the taste or it impairs the taste? Now, if the mixture was with trumo, the heave offering, it was mixed up with ordinary profane food, then the kohen could taste it because he's allowed to eat truma. If the taste of truma, of the heave offering, is recognizable, then everything is considered to be a mixture which can only be used by the kohen. And in the laws of Trumos, of the heave offering, the Ramam says he will expound on this particular subject of mixtures of Truma. Halacha Lamit, paragraph 30, which he continues discussing how one could determine whether there's a taste of the kosher substance or the taste is of the forbidden substance. Vim If, let's say, it was a mixture of milk and meat, or the forbidden libation wine, or the wine of Arla, or the wine of the forbidden seeds, mixed seeds in the vineyard, that fell into honey, or or it was the meat of an insect or creeping thing that was cooked with a vegetable and the like. We have a non-Jew taste it, and we rely on his word. If he says there is no taste, then we rely on it. Or if he says there is a taste, but it's a defective taste, and it spoiled the taste, if he says any of these things, it is all permissible. Provided, as we have explained earlier, that it will not subsequently improve the taste later on. 
ואם אין שם גוי ליטום, משארן אוסו בשיעורי בשישים או במאה או במסיים. If, however, there's no non-Jew to taste it, then we estimate with the amount of 60, in those prohibitions that require 60 to 1, or 100, in those prohibitions that require 100, or 200, in those prohibitions that require 200. Halacha Lamed Aleph, paragraph 31. אך פרשנפו לשייכה או לחומץ, משארן אוסו בשישים. שאנו חוששים שמא תמו בשייכה ובחומץ משביח. If a mouse falls into beer or vinegar, it is proportioned at 1 to 60. Since there is the fear that its flavor may improve the beer or the vinegar. אבל אם נפל ליין או לשמן או לדבש, מותר. ואפילו נסן תם, בפני שתמו פוגם. שכל אלו צריכים להיות מבוסמים, וזה מסריך המומפסה תמם. However, if it falls into wine, oil, or honey, they are permitted, even if it imparts a flavor, because it's obviously a spoiling flavor, since all these foods must have a fragrant odor, whereas the rodent causes them to have an unpleasant odor and ruins their flavor. Halacha Lamed Beis, paragraph 32. If a kid is roasted together with its fat, even the lobe of its ear is forbidden to eat, since the fat is absorbed by the organs and it improves the flesh and imparts a flavor to it. Therefore, if this kid was so lean that it has only a little kidney fat or fat of the entrails, which is about one part of fat to sixty parts of flesh, one may peel the flesh and eat it until he reaches the fat. Similarly, if one roasts a leg with the sinew of the thigh vein, which is forbidden to eat, and the, that sinew is still in the leg, the person may just peel the meat and eat until he reaches the sinew. Then he must, of course, discard the sinew. The same thing would apply if a person roasts a whole animal without removing its forbidden veins and forbidden membranes. To eat it, all he must do is to peel the meat and eat it. And upon reaching the forbidden part, he just cuts it out and discards it because the sinews did not impart a flavor that we can measure, and therefore it is permissible to eat everything else but the sinew. Halacha Yud Gimel, paragraph 33. One should not roast the flesh, the meat of an animal, upon which the shechita has been performed, a kosher animal, together with the flesh of a nevela, an animal that died without shechita, or of an unclean, unkosher animal. Even if they don't touch one another, it still should not be roasted in the same oven. However, if it has already been done, it is permitted to eat them, to eat the kosher meat. This is true, that it is permitted to eat it if it was baked in the same oven, roasted in the same oven, even if the forbidden meat is very fat and the permitted one is lean. And the reason for this is that the odor alone does not render anything forbidden. Only the actual flavor of a forbidden object, forbidden food, would do so. Halacha Lamedala, paragraph 
Besar nevela maliach shenivlo imo besar shchuta hariza nesar. Mepnisha tamtis hanevela nivlas beguf besar hashchuta. Vef shalamud kan lo alatam lo alashir. If salted nevela, that is meat that has not been slaughtered properly, is soaked with meat of an animal upon which the shchita had been performed, the kosher animal. The latter, the kosher meat, is deemed forbidden because the juice of the nevela becomes absorbed into the flesh of the animal, which is kosher, that was slaughtered properly, and it is impossible in this case to go either by the taste or the amount absorbed. Similarly, if salted, unkosher fish is soaked with unsalted kosher fish, the kosher fish is forbidden because of the brine which it has absorbed. However, the Raman continues, If, however, the kosher fish is salted and the unkosher fish unsalted, the salted fish is not forbidden, for it is the unsalted which absorbs from the salted. And the Raman concludes, Dag tamay, shekevasho im dag tahar hakol asur elim kain hayi hatamay echad mimasayim min hatahar. If unkosher fish, that is fish that does not have the proper signs, is pickled with clean fish, with kosher fish, the whole thing is forbidden unless the proportion of unkosher fish to the kosher fish is less than one to two hundred. The reason why in this case we go by two hundred, not sixty, as we do in most prohibitions is because the brine of the fish is so strong and so sharp, so pungent, that it would impart a taste in the kosher fish more so than would be the case with other prohibitions. The Rambam, in this case, has made a reversal of his own position in his commentary to the Mishnah, in which he writes that the brine of unkosher fish could not be neutralized with less than a ratio of one to a thousand. Here he says one to two hundred. With this, the Rambam concludes, Peder Kamisha Asar, Mehilchas Machalos Asuras, the 15th chapter of the laws concerning forbidden foods.